Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. This is your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. You know, first of all, I want to uh, thank uh, the great Malcolm Out Loud for the privilege of being on his show, Voice of the Nation. Uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity to talk about the FBI raid on uh, former President Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago in Florida, and it was great to uh, reach out to that audience. So I'm sure if you look at the podcasts for Voices of a Nation, if you would like to uh, hear that, I thought it was a pretty good show, not just because I was on it, but because uh, Malcolm and I had uh, a lot of good things to say and, and talking about. It. I'm going to cover some of those topics today because it is an extremely, extremely important thing for us to discuss as a nation. Now, let me, let me say this as clear as I can possibly say it. Uh, what happened when the FBI and Department of Justice served a search warrant on former President Donald Trump's home in Florida was an attack on our nation, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Now, I see some of our friends on the left, especially the, uh, the, the pundits on TV, were, were gleeful. They were, they were dancing and singing, and this is, this is it. We're going to get him now, the orange man in the orange jumpsuit and all the nonsense that they come up with. Uh, you know, you can't, you cannot allow fools and idiots to be in, in control of your, uh, of your freedom. And I say that with, uh, with as much tongue in cheek as I could possibly manage. Just because people have a right to say whatever they want, and they do, I'm a free speech component, does not mean that the rest of us have to listen to it and take it seriously. Uh, these people have no idea the commentary that they're making, that they're so happy that this precedent has now been set, that a former president would be attacked by the current sitting president, uh, his house searched, uh, and this continual nonstop attack on, on Trump from every direction. It is, it is one of the things, and this is some of the things that we had talked about, Malcolm and I, it is the signaling, I think, the final stages of what could be uh, the fall of America as we know it. America is not going to go away. Uh, we're not going to have uh, we're not going to have a dictator, so to speak, come in. Uh, we're not going uh, to go over to communism, uh, you know, and have like a President Xi kind of guy or girl, uh, and they will be our our dictator. What's going to happen is. The, the fall that I see coming would be a rewriting of the Constitution. The powers that be taking over, uh, we will certainly be socialized, not communized. Not, at least I'm not seeing communism. I'm seeing socialism. And I'm seeing a, a move to rewrite the Constitution where you will have uh, certain speech bans. Certain things will not be permitted you will not be permitted to uh, say certain things, the words you use, uh, who you talk about. I, I can see that being changed so that you have free speech uh, basically to praise whatever the left says you should praise and nothing else. Anything other than that, you will be, uh, you'll be arrested. Like in England. In England, uh, the United Kingdom, they have a law in the books that if you uh, go on social media uh, 
and say certain things that they have deemed um, offensive to certain groups that they've delineated, uh, you'll be arrested. And I saw a news report where a guy went on and made a comment. I don't know if it was a, I'm sure it was a negative comment. And uh, I don't like negative comments. I don't like people picking on any groups that are out there. But free speech means you can do that. Doesn't mean I have to listen. Doesn't mean I have to like it. But it is certainly part of free speech. You could say anything you want. Well, this guy in England, obviously England's not America, but they, they professed to have a free speech. And he went on, and I think he said something about a transgender group. He made a comment, uh, something he saw on social media, and it was considered hate speech on social media, however they define it. And the video showed police officers showing up and arresting this guy because he made a comment that was uh, politically incorrect and was considered uh, offensive to a particular group. And I'm not sure if it was, if it was a transgender comment that he made about, but I, I think it was. Whatever it was, it was a protected class that they have identified uh, in the United Kingdom. You know, they have all these different groups, just like we do. We have all these protected classes in our country, uh, except we don't have these kind of laws. And they arrested the guy because he made a comment. I can see that coming here. I can, I can see that clearly coming here. Uh, you, see, you, you see already the change in free speech, the way uh, people on the left, when they have, when they have levers of power, we see how they would behave, and you can extrapolate. Uh, you know, uh, you can certainly uh, not, not extrapolate. You can certainly uh, project where things that they do, what they would do if they had more power, and you could certainly start to line these things up. We see now that you know they don't like you to say certain things. So you could see if they had complete power, more power down the road, uh, that they would certainly install speech codes, just like they do on college campuses. See, so these things are not unheard of. It's not like uh, this is something that I'm coming up with out of my head. Oh, that's a fantasy. That would never happen. That's a dystopia. No, really. We see they already do this on college campuses. You say certain things, you get booted out of the college. Um, you have certain beliefs, you get booted out of the college. Uh, and that's right here in America. So I could see that if, if, the, if the left had more power based on what they've already done, where they have power, uh, whether that's on a local state, county, federal level, when they have power, they demonstrate how they would use that power. Uh, we see now with this new spending bill. What are they doing with the new spending bill? Uh, well, it's going to be, it's going to help fix uh, inflation. So it's going to spend $700 billion more dollars. And one of the things they're hiring is what, 87,000 more IRS agents they're hiring? 87,000. But they say they're not, no one making under, over, under 400000 nobody making under $400,000 will be audited. Well, I think they say if you lined up all the billionaires and millionaires, let's just go millionaires, millionaires and billionaires, if you line them all up, the number of them is about 1,000 in America. It's about 1,000 millionaires and billionaires. That means you have, uh, we have 87,000 new agents, Plus, they already had, you know, say, say 40, eh, I think the answer is 45,000. Let's say 40, plus another 40,000 agents. In total, you have 127,000 agents. So let's see, 1,000 uh, people that they're going to go after. Let's, see, let's even go down to 500,000 because they're saying 400. So let's say um, it's not 1,000. Let's say it's 2,000. 2,000 people divided by 127,000 
agents. Um, think about that, 127,000 agents now divided by 2,000 people. That means there's going to be 63 and a half IRS agents focusing on each and every one of those people making $500,000 or more. Does anybody believe that? That that's all they're going to go after? The question is asked, I guess, um, to ask you to think. Let's look at historical records. Historical records uh, can give us a lot. So there's an old saying out there that once something happens one time, it's more likely that it'll happen again. As opposed to something that's never happened, the chances are that it may never happen. So we had that example recently that we have never gone after a past president and did a search warrant on their house and continue to try and impeach them after they're out of office and charge them with everything to, to prevent them from coming. We've never done that before. Well, now that we have done that, the chances that it's going to happen again are greatly enhanced. Well, the same thing here. When it comes to taxes uh, and they tell us that, you know, they're not going to come after you. Have they come after us when they said they wouldn't come after us with more taxes and new taxes and new spending and new fees and this and that? Yes, constantly. So if they've done it before, what makes you think they won't do it again? Does anybody really believe that that 127,000 IRS agents are not going to come after all the money? Because the bulk of the money in the United States, the bulk of the money, is held in the middle class. You know, the lower classes, uh, the under socioeconomic people, they don't have a lot of money. The very, very wealthy, they do have a lot of money, but the big bulk, the real amount of money is in the middle class. And that's where you go after them for taxes. That's how, that's how the government gets its money. So does anybody really believe that those 127,000 agents are not going to come after you? Uh, you'll start to get letters in the mail. Oh, you know, we're going to go over your, uh, your, uh, your return from last year. You say you gave your church $500. Uh, we need to see the re re receipts. We need to see the the church letter that you gave five hundred dollars. Because if not, we're gonna we're gonna de we're gonna take that deduction and disallow it, and therefore you you owe us another uh, one hundred twenty seven dollars. That little nitpicking times millions and millions of people adds up to a lot of money, and that is what uh, a lot of people believe. That's where it's actually going to go. Where it's going to go, I don't know. If they're only going to go after the billionaires, um, I, I, is that fair? You know, uh, paying taxes. How about we go to uh, like a flat tax where if you make up to a million dollars, anybody making up to a million dollars uh, a year, you pay 10 percent. Right. And more than a million dollars, you could say 15 percent all the way up to a billion dollars, 20 percent, you know, uh, make it simple, make it easy. Uh, I never really thought much about the flat tax, uh, but I think it's I think it's reasonable. Uh, we don't have to go crazy with it. It's very simple to do. Here's how much money I made. Here's, here's the money that I made. Uh, here's how many people in my family. And I pay 10%. So boom, 10% after my deductions. Here's the check. That's it. Very simple. Does anybody think that's actually going to happen? No. Uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle need money, more money. They want your money. Uh, and they're going to come after it. And it's as simple as that. And now you're going to get threatened. It's very scary. It's very scary because, you know, they say you can't fight City Hall. Well, you can't fight the IRS. The, you, they have too much resources. They have too many people and they have too many options of, of ways to hurt you. It's just a reality. We've made that an extremely powerful agency uh, because the country needs money to run.
you know, and there are people that will cheat, obviously. Uh, and no one should cheat. Everyone should pay what they're supposed to pay. The thing is, we have to figure out what's fair for people to pay. You know, uh, if you and I get the whole progressive thing, the more money you make, the more you have to pay. I, I kind of get that. But at the same time, uh, you know, because I've worked really hard and I created a business that's worth $10 million. Now I should pay, you know, exorbitant amounts of money out of that business. I should pay the same amount as everybody else, you know. Uh, of course, that would lower the amount of money we have, and therefore we couldn't do all the things we do. So there's there's a way to, to work it out. It, we, we have to we have to fund our government. We have to fund our military. We have to fund the things we need government to do. There's no question about that, and we all have a responsibility to chip in for that. It's just unfortunate uh, of what's going to happen here. So some things that, that that I'm thinking about. I saw an article that. Um, the future speaker on the Republican side um, said that, hey, you know, if we're elected and we take over the Congress, we are going to uh, do lots and lots of investigations. We're going to we're going to do lots of things. We're going to go out and do some things. So I'm trying to come up with a list here uh, of, of what things we should actually look at um, that I would suggest for them to start where they would start. Um, they should absolutely have a, com a committee with subpoena power. And they should uh, look at the Hillary uh, and Bill Clinton Foundation. Uh, they got millions and billions and billions of dollars when her and him were in power. And as soon as she was out of power, all the donations stopped. That on its face value tells you they were actually buying influence by, by giving money to that. Where'd that money go? How did they, what would they do with that money? That should be investigated. If there's anything wrong, they should be indicted. We should have a, a committee with subpoena power. Uh, looking into the uh, the Russian dossier. Uh, how, how was this purchased? Who purchased it? How was it used to go after Donald Trump? Uh, complete commission, subpoena, get them in there. Subpoena people, get their records, do search warrants if you have to, go get them. Uh, we need to find out exactly what happened with Hillary and her emails. Now, she walks around with a hat. What about her emails? If you got subpoenaed by any federal agency and they told you, to bring your emails in and you decided you'd go through them and you'd delete the ones you don't think are important and you would get rid of them uh, and destroy your computers and this and that and the other thing. Um, the minute that was found out, you would be in handcuffs and you'd be in jail. Right? That didn't happen to Hillary. People said, well, I, I, okay, I guess it was okay for her to go through them. Uh, but, you know, she, she committed uh, acts that uh, are inappropriate. She used a private server when she shouldn't have done that. She was a government official. So that needs to be looked at seriously. And we need to get those documents and find them and do whatever it needs to do. We need to look at uh, James Comey. Uh, he, took, he took classified documents. He took classified documents, admittedly, and he leaked them to a reporter to get the, uh, get the special counsel initiated. Uh, against Donald Trump. So I think we should search his house and his records because he may have more records. He took some. If you do something one time, you're more likely to do it again. So he already admitted he took some. So maybe he's got more at home. We should probably go find out. We should search every place that he's ever been. Uh, we should look at this border crisis. And we should look at what's going on down there. Um, the, the problems that it has caused for Texas and uh, New Mexico and uh, all along the border towns, uh, everything down there that's, that's done, uh, and find out how come the laws weren't followed. How come we have laws on the place for immigration and they haven't been followed? And then I would subpoena um, 
President uh, President Biden under oath. I would subpoena Vice President Harris under oath. I mean, she's in charge of the border. Uh, and I would find out everything that went on down there and, and how come uh, how come they had open borders. They didn't follow the law. Uh, I would get a special prosecutor uh, initiated immediately to look into all of these things, a special prosecutor for each one, uh, and then find out how come the laws were blatantly violated. Uh, we have laws on the books for a reason. If you don't like the laws, change the laws. Uh, but they don't want to do that. They just want to ignore them. And ignoring them is, is malfeasance. It's, uh, it's not doing your duty. And therefore, we should have a special prosecutor look at all of that. And if there's any potential crimes that were committed, they should be prosecuted. Um, how about Hunter Biden's laptop? Uh, we got to look at the FBI, top to bottom, absolutely, uh, and find out, subpoena everybody, everybody involved, with the laptop thing, how long did they have it? What did they look at? What did they do with it? Uh, special prosecutor should be looked into that. The uh, Burisma thing, special prosecutor. Um, the big guy getting money. Did President Biden get money through his son from these foreign governments? Special prosecutor. Immediately, on, on day one that they have the power to do this. January, uh, you know, January 2nd, if that's the day they get sworn in, they should set up these committees and get this going. Um those are some of the ones I would immediately look at. You know, I would certainly look at uh, um, some other things. Here's a uh, here's a thing I would suggest that they come up with uh, a new a new agency uh, or a new uh, a new place to look at things. We 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 demand that people follow the law and that we follow the rule of law, don't we? That's really what goes on. So I would say uh, one of the first places we need to look for is for corruption in our government. Because if we don't have a, a, a clean, clean as a whistle government, then uh, there can be all kinds of problems. Because obviously, if people are making money on, on the Chinese, say, say they're paying some, the Chinese are paying a politician money for something, and the politician then votes a certain way to protect China. Say, say, uh, say a president and his son were getting money from foreign governments uh, and hiding it in different ways, uh, and therefore that that affected how they how they ran the country what they did to protect americans well that should be that should be looked at so i would uh first thing i would do is i would set up an agency um whether they keep the fbi or not they need to have a federal law enforcement agency and and i would probably keep the fbi but i would clean it out um top to bottom uh and keep the good agents and everybody else would go uh, but i think i would set up a um a specific wing called uh, Political Financial Stream uh, Anti-Corruption Unit. And what this unit would do would be to look at uh, each politician, each and every politician, uh, what their income is, uh, compare it to the amount of money that they have, uh, and then subpoena and find out, well, you make 187000 a year, you've been in Congress for 10 years, so you should have $1.7 million, but instead you have 16 houses and $47 million. Uh, your only job is congressman or, or senator, and uh, now you have uh, $47 million. Uh, where'd that money come from? Uh, let's, let's figure that out. Uh, I would absolutely start with uh, the Biden family. I would start with the Pelosi family. Uh, I would start with uh, all the politicians uh, that are at the top of the food chain right now. Uh, and then I'd work my way down, and I would let that be known for anybody who comes in to Congress, uh, whether you come to the Senate or to the Congress. Uh, we're going to look and see the money that you're making. We're going to find out what you make right now, what you have in the bank today. 
uh, and we're going to we're going to look every year and see how much you have. What are your investments? What, what did your investments do? Did you invest? Um, let's see, fifty thousand dollars the night before a chip company was to get a grant or to get a a, a contract with the government to make billions of dollars, and you bought stock the day before. Hmm, that would be interesting uh, to, to take a look at. Uh, and see how that, so that's what I would let them know. We're going to look at all those things. And if we find out that you used your insider information, because uh, you have to change the law, they're allowed to use insider information. You're not, but the Congress is. I would certainly change that law immediately, uh, that they couldn't do it at all. They, they, they can't, uh, they have to put their, all their finances in a blind trust and they can't make any purchases of any stock uh, for any reason while they're in Congress. That would make that a little more fair, wouldn't it? Uh, and then I would certainly look very, very closely at any connection uh, to our enemies, uh, to our enemies, especially China, uh, these other countries that are against us, or any politicians getting money would be looked at very, very closely. And uh, that would be the, one of the first things that I think they should do. Now, from there, um, from there, once we have those 20 or so committees set up, special prosecutors in place, uh, day one, um, there's some new tasks, some new tasks I would uh, suggest that they immediately embark on, boldly, bravely, um, without, without any hesitation. Uh, again, day one, I'd have, you know, if they win the election in November and they take over January 1st, uh, I, from, from November 9th until then, I'd be figuring these things out. Who would we name as prosecutors? Uh, how would we do these committees? Who would be in charge of them? Because we know that a day after the election, we know exactly who's in place and I would hit the ground running the first day. So some new tasks I would suggest they look at. I would say that since uh, every election law uh, is state run, and they should be state run, uh, I would demand that there is a committee and an oversight to modernize every single election law in the country, that there would be some kind of oversight from the election uh, committee, uh, make, the, make it a new division, uh, of Department of Justice to help states solidify their laws. Because what we're going to say now, we are three months from the midterm elections. No one has fixed their election problems. We've left all the problems that we talked about in 2020 that made people upset, that made people suspicious. All of that is still in place. We haven't fixed anything because that allows us to uh, tamper with things, I suppose, if we want. So I would immediately say we have to look at all our election laws and work with the states uh, to make sure that our elections are fair and clean. They have to be fair and clean. Uh, otherwise, people don't have faith in them. So that would be one thing. Um, I would immediately defund the 87,000 new IRS agents. Um, I would immediately defund that, take the money away from that and say, we don't need that. Uh, we need to maybe look at a flat tax where it's very simple for people to uh, file their taxes and get the money. Fair amount, fair number, whatever the number would be. Uh, however you would work it out. Um, but I would also make sure that it didn't disable families, right? Uh, you can say to somebody, well, you know, you can't afford it. Uh, people could say, I can't afford to pay that much tax. And they say, well, too bad. You pay it or you go to jail. Um, no, there would have to be, uh, it, we'd have to find some fairness in the tax system. And if that meant um, that when we made our tax system fair and it lowered taxes for people and the government didn't have as much money, then the government would have to cut its budget uh, for things that uh, they consider right now uh, ancillary, extra. 
Uh, they would concentrate on the military. They would concentrate on the monetary system. They would concentrate on the things that we need them to do. Uh, and everything else would then take an immediate cut. Everything would take an immediate cut uh, down to, to 1% from 100% of funding to 1%, if that's all the money we have. I would do that immediately. Then we would look at securing the border. So we have a, um, we had at this point, we would have a special prosecutor in place to look and see if the immigration laws were not followed, why they weren't followed, uh, who's responsible. We would have indictments coming out. Um, and then we would secure the border. We would secure the border and maybe, uh, instead of have 87,000 IRS uh, agents. Maybe we would appoint an entire panel, a new panel of judges who would be seated down at the border, courtrooms down at the border, uh, and anyone applying for asylum would be immediately evaluated. Uh, they would come in, uh, as many as we could take. Say we build, uh, a lot of this sounds fantasy, right? No, but these things could all be done. They could be easily be done. Uh, right along the border there, I would have an encampment area where we'd have a courthouse, we would have a hotels, uh, and then people who have applied for asylum would go in there, uh, fill the hotels, and there would be a hearing, one per day, for every day, uh, for as many as we had. Say we had 100 judges, 100 hearings a day. If the judge saw your information and said, yes, you should, you should be able to stay, then you'd be granted your green card, and boom, out the door you go. If the judge says no, you immediately go to a waiting bus and you fill the bus and you take the bus back across the border. Simple as that. So this way, it's fair for the people who want to come here. They get a quick hearing. Uh, and it's also fair for the American people. The people that should be here would get to stay, and those who shouldn't be here would be returned immediately. Uh, and we would do that until the backlog is complete. And then that would be fair to everyone. If they had a legitimate right to be here, they should stay. They should be able to immigrate. Uh, if they don't have a legitimate right to come, then they would be returned immediately. And we wouldn't have all this chaos all over the place. So that I would look at that. Um, let's see. Um, oh, I would look at defunding sanctuary cities. If you have cities in America that are refusing to follow the law, that are hiding people who have come here illegally, uh, they are doing things uh, completely anti-American uh, in its immigration policy, that they're doing what they want to do, they should be defunded and they should be able to pay for it. Uh, as simple as that. We have to have a way for people to get into the country. Immigration is important. Uh, and people all over the world have things of value to bring with them. They have their intellect, they have their ability, their skills, their family values. They should come here to America. Uh, but we have to decide who comes and when and how it benefits us as a nation. We can't, we can't just have people piling in the door because they want to come. You just can't do that. Uh, so how, how many times have we made the analogy? Just because your neighbor has a bigger, better house don't mean you can go over and move in. Bring three of your cousins and say, hey, my cousins are going to stay here because you got a bigger house. Uh, there's a way to do things. We have to follow the rules and the law. They're there for a reason, right? Americans have to come first. Our needs as American citizens have to come first. Uh, and we should do what we can to help people, to bring in people that we need here, because we do need people. We do need uh, immigration. It is important. It's been a big part of our, of our country. So I think we do need immigration, but we have to control it and it has to be done properly, legally, fairly, for everyone, for the immigrant and for the people who live here in the United States. And right now it's not exactly done that way. So those are just some of the things uh, that come to mind uh, that I think we should do immediately if the Republicans uh, take over the Congress. Uh, so I want you to think about those things 
and we will be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chasing Justice. I'm your host. You know, I want to start out by telling you that I I have really benefited from using the Healthy Cell Immune Boost product. Now, the reason I tell you this is that, I don't know, for the last couple of months, I've talked about it here and there on the program. Um, they're not a sponsor of my show, but they are on the network and I started using it because I wanted to try something to help my immune system during the COVID uh, lockdowns and everything. Me and Miss Kathy wanted to stay healthy, and I, I started taking it. I, I bought some uh, some of the product, and I started using it, and what I found was the normal sinus infections that I've been plagued with my entire adult life. Um, I was at the doctor maybe three, four, sometimes five times a year getting prescriptions for a sinus infection. Uh, I think in the last since 2021, uh, since I started taking this uh, Healthy Cell product, Immune Boost, I think I have had one prescription for sinus infection. It's like it's almost not part of my life anymore. And the only thing I've done different is use the Healthy Cell. So I, I am convinced that it really is a good product. I do feel I do feel better physically anyway. Um, I had COVID. You know that. Kathy and I both had COVID, and we got over it very quickly. And the doctor said, my immune system must be really strong. And I said, the only thing that I can tell you that I do, other than, you know, try and stay healthy and uh, work out, is uh, I've been taking the, the immune boost from Healthy Cell. So I'm going to tell you that 
at this point, you know, I, I was hemming and hawing about what I should say about it. You know, um, I like it. I think it's very good. And if you're looking for a way to help yourself uh, be healthier and pump up your immune system to fight off all this horrible stuff that's out there, I would give it a try. Um, it's like I said, it's on the network here. You can always find a way to get it. It's a very, very good product, and I like it. And I want to let you know because I care about people who listen. So the other day, uh, I was privileged to be on uh, Voice of a Nation with Malcolm. And we talked about the raid at Donald Trump's house in Mar-a-Lago, former President Donald Trump. And one of the things that I, I found so disturbing about it is because when someone's out of office and they're done, unless, they, unless they've committed some horrific act of crime, you know, violent crime while they were in office, once they're gone and done, they're gone. They're off the page. And that, that's pretty much how it goes. Now, if they reinsert themselves and they had uh, committed horrible things, like I, I have said since the beginning, when the whole nonsense came out about Russian collusion, nobody really knew if it was true or not, other than the Clintons who, who started it and planted it and created it, and the people in the DOJ who went along with it, and the Obama administration who went along with it. All those people knew it was fake. Uh, the intel people in our country who knew it was all fake uh, that went along with other than them the rest of us in the country we heard this story that uh, this big businessman uh, who has business and is all over the world did some horrible things and he may be in collusion with the Russians to try and get him elected so he could do things for his business now on its face value uh, that's not an unreasonable thing to consider that maybe somebody from the business world who's got connections all over the world maybe would be involved in a thing like that. And you say, wow, you know, uh, that would be terrible if that was really true. Uh, and then you start to look at the evidence and you realize, uh, well, it doesn't seem like they're really looking at the evidence. seems like they're, they're just going, you know, one way here. And then after a while, I started to realize, as anyone with common sense uh, and the ability to discern truth from fiction could have done is to find out that that none of that evidence that they had seemed realistic. Um, but I was willing to say in the beginning when it came out, if he did this, if he was guilty of this for real, then he should be held to account and removed from office or whatever, because we can't have our political people getting involved with foreign governments, making money off of them, and therefore making decisions for you and me, for our country, based on the money that they get from these foreign countries. Um, and that was my position, that if it, was, if it was proved that he really did this, they should have removed him. Well, as we found out, it was faked up. None of it was true. It was a political attack plan. And most of us, to this very day, uh, sit back and go, yeah, that was really terrible. People will admit it now that it was a hoax. But what did we do about it? Did we go back and, and go after the people who made the hoax? No, they all still have their jobs. Nobody got indicted. Uh, everybody's running around still making comments about things. We have certain media outlets that are still reporting on the Russia hoax that we, we just didn't find the right evidence, as opposed to looking at the umpteen investigations, impeachments, and everything else that couldn't prove anything. The only conclusion you can come away from, I think, honestly, as an investigator, is that, yeah, Donald Trump might be brash 
Donald Trump might have say, may have said some awkward, uncomfortable things. Uh, he may have some personality ticks in the way he speaks and, and, and confronts things. But he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't done anything illegal. He hasn't done anything improper. Um, so therefore, all those other things you have to take with it with a grain of salt. Um, it's just the way he is. Uh, that's his personality. But what did he do as president? Well, he did nothing wrong. He did everything very well. Now, you may not like his commentary. You might not like this or that or the other thing. But the reality is his policies were very good for this country, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, paying $2 a gallon gasoline is better than paying $4 a gallon gasoline, especially for people who don't have millions of dollars. You know, when you have millions of dollars and you're at the high end of income, it, let's just even cut it off here. If you're making one of those people making $400,000 a year, you're going to live pretty well in this country, even if gas was $10 a gallon. You, you know, we would take a chunk out of your income, sure. But if you're making $400,000, you are still going to live very comfortably. You're not even going to notice, really, uh, the reality. You're not even going to notice uh, the gas is 10 bucks a, ga a gallon. You're not going to notice that your heating season that used to cost you two thousand now costs you five thousand, because the money having that kind of money, there's a lot of disposable income, right? The problem is for people below that number, and I know there's a range of people in my life that make between, believe it or not, as grown adults, twenty thousand dollars a year, as grown adults, uh, all the way up to people I know who do make millions of dollars. And I have to tell you, uh, to the people making twenty thousand, uh, our friends that make sixty thousand seem like rich people, because you're making twenty, somebody's making sixty. That's three times as much, right? Of you, uh, you could live much better if you're living on twenty. You can live great on sixty. Well, when we start to see these numbers, when you live in the Northeast or you live on the West Coast in the places where it's very expensive—New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. It is very expensive to live. The taxes are absurd. Um, I talked to a friend of mine, my partner, uh, when we were in law enforcement. He sold a, uh, a three-bedroom house in New Jersey for $600,000. And he moved to the Carolinas where he bought a McMansion four-bedroom house, beautiful, for $350,000. In New Jersey, he was paying eleven or twelve thousand dollars a year in property tax, uh, and in North Carolina, I think he's playing, uh, paying uh, three thousand. Right, um, every amenity, everything brand new, beautiful home, piece of property. Uh, so you get a lot more. Now, the reason I'm I'm trying to, to the point I'm making here is that uh, you know in the Northeast, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, it sounds like a lot of money. And it is. It's $100,000. Think about that. It's a lot of money. But if you're living in the Northeast, that doesn't go very far. You don't live in a really nice house making $100,000. You live in an okay house. You drive an okay kind of car. You get by a lot easier than somebody making $60,000, no doubt about it. But it's not the be-all and end-all. Now you start adding in uh, things for kids. You got to get the kids the clothes. You got to get kids computers. You got to get them educated. Lots of people don't like the public schools. They don't like, look what's going on. These fights about all the things that they're, all the social things they're doing instead of just teaching kids what they need to know and leave the social stuff to the moms and dads. Uh, so you don't want your kids to go there. So you're going to have to go to a private school. Well, that costs 
some, somebody making 100000 it's going to be really tough to pay for two kids to go to private school and to live a, a, a life, a comfortable life. Right? Not an outrageous life, just a comfortable life where you can afford to pay your bills, you can eat, and your kids can go to private school. Now, to the rest of the country, uh, where the average income, uh, high-end earners are making 60000 uh, and you make 100. You know, there, there seems to be some disparity there. Well, you make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but here it's not. It's not much. Hundred thousand is just enough to live probably okay. Uh, now you add in an additional couple thousand dollars, like inflation. They're saying is taking six thousand dollars from a family. So if I make a hundred, now I'm down to ninety-four. Now after paying all my other taxes, paying the mortgage, paying the car, gasoline, all this other stuff that I'm doing. Uh, there's not a lot of leftover money, right? Even though for many people to think about $100,000 is, is outrageous for them. They could never imagine that. Well, when you start to get up to the 200000 it's not much better. There's a little bit more money left over, but if you throw in college, um, forget it. There's no money left over, right? And how long do kids go to college? Well, one kid is four years, but it might take you eight years to pay off the loans that they get. So 200000 is not that much. So when we start to look at these people under 400000 at 400000 you can live comfortable. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's no question. So it doesn't hurt them so bad. But when you see this inflation and how it hurts people at the lower ends, it is brutal. And, that, and that's really tough. And I had an example. I was in the food store um, not too long ago. And, you know, I'm doing some shopping. I got the list. Miss Kathy gives me a list. Here, could you go to the food store and pick this up for us? Sure, I can help you out. And I'm in the food store, and I'm, I, I don't know what aisle I was in, but I was sitting looking over, trying to decide between the uh, store brand butter and the, uh, and the butter that we usually get, you know, because it's expensive. Looking at bacon, $14 a pound, where do I get the cheap bacon, right? And there was an older couple. Now, when I say older, I mean older. They were in there probably at least mid-70s, the two of them. And they were talking over the aisle. And the wife was going to get something, a piece of meat or something, and the husband looked at it and he says, no, we can't afford that. We, we don't have the money for that. Put that back. Just get the, just get the chopped meat. And she was like, no, we, had, we just had that last week. We, need, we could spend a few bucks and let's get this one. And they were going back and forth. And he says, listen, we just don't have it. You know, we just don't have the extra money. Just get the chopped meat. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. And she put it in the cart and they walked away. And I said, you know, you hear these politicians tell you these stories. I was in the store the other day and this woman said to me, well, this was a real example. I mean, I couldn't help but overhear them. And because I have the show here and I talk about these kind of things, I just, I couldn't help but listen in. And it wasn't just the words that they said. It wasn't just the conversation they were having. There was a, I don't want to say a sadness in their voices. I think there was a helplessness in their voices. Obviously, they were, they were retired. They were older, probably on Social Security. I don't know their financial situation. Um, you know, to look at them, you can't see. They don't look like Mr. and Mrs. Got Rocks with jewelry and, and furs and all that stuff. So they look like regular older people who are probably living on Social Security. That's kind of the impression that I got. I could be wrong, but that's the impression I got. And I know people on Social Security don't have a lot of money. I mean, if you're lucky and you get $2,000 a month, um, that's like, think about that. Could you live on $2,000 a month right now? Now, I know some people, um, that might be their income. I have a friend who makes $20,000, uh, so he's, he's not even making $2,000 a month. 
his Social Security would be $500 a month um, when he gets it someday down the road. So I'm going round and round here, I know, uh, but my point was seeing these older people, that inflation hurt them. That was hurting them. I'm sure they were making lots of choices like that. And I know families have to make those choices. I'm making those choices, right? And I'm not saying I'm a rich guy, but I do okay. I worked really hard my whole life to, to, to build up a, a, a career and an income. And Kathleen and I, we sit there and we try and figure out, okay, what can we afford? Well, the groceries went up. The grocery bill went up $300 a month easily. You know, I'm paying for colleges, all kinds of things. There's, there's hardly any money left over. It's, it's absurd. And for the bills to go up $300, while I can handle it, it cuts out a lot of extras, right? So then that's my point. This inflation hits everyone in America. It's a tax. Now, when you see this spending bill that they tell you has no taxes in it for anybody under 400000 and I say I don't believe that because people can hide the expenses. Sure, things they don't call, classically, when politicians want to get more money out of you and they say we're not going to raise taxes, but then they raise fees. They raise fees on, uh, on registrations for your car. They raise fees on permits when you want to do something around your house. They raise fees for uh, anything you have to do requires a fee. They just raise those things, and that's where they get the money. Uh, but they don't call it a tax. It's not like they raised your tax. You see, they didn't raise my taxes, but co everything costs you more. Um, this is what this is doing to us. And, and I, 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 get, I get frustrated, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes when I sit and I think about people voting uh, for their best interest. Uh, and there was a time when people did that. They voted in the best interest of the country, their family, and their friends. We are so fractured right now. We are so split in this country that people will vote against their own best interests to maintain their political line. You know there's going to be people coming up elections here when it should be an overwhelming, overwhelming wave of Republicans winning everything from dog catcher up to uh, you know Senate and Congress, and in 2024 it should be a, a Republican president if we are going to turn around our economy, if we are going to turn around the way the world sees us, if we're going to fix the problems we have today, if we're going to fix crime, it's going to be Republicans who fix it, not Democrats. Historically, you look at all the cities that, have, or that are run by Democrats, not because they're bad people. They're not bad people. It's because their policies are horrible. They're misguided. They don't understand the real world. And the things that they do cause problems. And who do they cause problems mostly for? They cause problems mostly for the people who can't do anything about it, all right? Look at the communities that are affected by the crime, the major amounts of crime in our country. Most of those communities can't do anything about it. There are good and decent people living in those communities where they can't go out of their house, where they'll get punched in the face, robbed, kicked, uh, stabbed, shot, raped, and they can't go out of their house. Those are our brother and sister Americans that are living like that. And why? Because of these ridiculous idiot policies that our friends on the left promote everywhere they go. So I, I just get shocked when I, when I hear, to this day, I still hear friends and family who are on the left uh, who are saying, I'm not voting for a Republican. They're going to take away everybody's rights. In the meantime, who's trying to shut your speech down? Who has speech codes? Who is demanding that you say certain things? Who's demanding that you change your beliefs about things? Is it the Republicans or is it the Democrats?
See, what we lose track of when we get into this battle of right versus left in, in this modern world is that people dig in their heels and they would rather suffer than to admit they were wrong. Think about that. When Donald Trump was elected president, families and friends split up. People that have been lifelong friends and family members do not speak to each other because you voted for Trump because he hates this. And what did he do? He created a booming economy that let everyone do better. We made the, the people around the world who were taking advantage of us had to now pay up. He was securing the border so that we could decide who comes into our country, not just anybody who wants to. Uh, you didn't like his comments. You didn't like the things he said. Oh, okay, I get that. But in your own best interest, wouldn't it be better to have a secure country with a booming economy, more energy than we know what to do with, and the ability to raise our families and everybody, everybody's boat rises? Isn't that better than these made-up things? I mean, people, people to this day will still argue to me, well, he, he was getting paid by the Russians. Like, are, are you stupid? Have you not figured out what happened? Have you not heard all the things that go on? I get very frustrated because I get it. Like I said, if he did those things, I'd be the first one to say, lock him up. But he didn't do those things. He was lied about. Now, I don't know if he's going to run again. And I don't know if, uh, who I'm going to vote for. It depends on who the, who the candidates are. But my point is, is that voting for your, your self-interest, for what's good for your family, is really what we should all do. And I'll tell you, if, if, the, if a Democrat candidate came along and said, I am going to lower taxes, I am going to uh, protect uh, the country, I am going to fix really fix the immigration problem. Uh, I am going to start getting our own energy back together. I would consider voting for that Democrat because those are all good things in my self-interest for me and my family. But when they say we're going to destroy the in energy and we're going to go to uh, electric cars that 90% of the country cannot afford, think about that. You want to go to these electric cars, sounds like a great idea. I'll tell you, it does. It sounds like a great idea. No more emissions, you know? Okay, good. Let's have electric cars. They can only drive 300 miles. You have to charge them. And nobody can afford them. So how is that a solution to go to now? Maybe it's a good solution to go to 10 years from now when you can buy a really good car that can go 1,000 miles at highway speed. Uh, you can buy that car for 25000 that's probably the way to go because then you're saving a lot on the fuel, right? But now it's not. Uh, windmills, okay? Uh, windmills are great if they generate extra energy. I think that's great. It's good. Let's look at it. But they don't always work, okay? Uh, I think everybody should consider putting the solar panels on their roofs. I think that really can help you. I've seen, I know lots of people that have done it. There's a good thing, but you know what that costs? You know, you know what that could, here's the scoop with that. Um, cause I looked into it cause I thought, Hey, this is a good idea. I can go a little bit green here, get electric, uh, from the sun. Makes sense, right? Okay. So we, we had two different companies come in and what they do is they look at your electric bill, right? They look at your electric bill and they see how much it's costing you per month. Then they say, okay, well, uh, if you get these solar panels, you will generate this much electricity, um, which you don't have to then buy from the electric company. And you say, wow, that's fantastic. Um, of course, on days when it's, uh, when it's cloudy or if there's snow on top of them, you're not going to have the electric. So you're still going to need to supplement it from the electric company, which is okay. So maybe say your bill is $100 a month from the electric company and you put the solar panels on your roof 
um, and they tell you, well, you could generate $100 worth of electric and therefore you don't have an electric bill uh, anymore. And if you generate more than that, you can actually sell it back to the electric company. That sounds fantastic. And they tell you it's free. Well, it's not actually for free. The way they do it is um, you get a loan. You take a loan um, for the solar panels. And then sometimes states have, uh, they have programs where they pay you to have electric for X amount of years uh, that basically covers the cost, which is fantastic, right? So we looked at one. Uh, our electric bill uh, was like $250 a month. Uh, we had, uh, you know, college kids and, and us in the house, and, and we use a lot of electric. We work from home. And the guy says, well, um, normally it's like $30,000 loan you'd have to take. And uh, it really would the state of New Jersey at the time was giving you a uh, like $12,000 a year credit that you could use uh, towards the cost. And after, after three years, the loan would be paid off. So it wouldn't cost you money to have the panels put up per se because you get money from the state. Uh, and then every year after that, uh, it'll generate enough electric uh, for your house, you won't have an electric bill. And the people moving in who buy your house, you could tell them, hey, this house comes with no electric bill. Good selling point, right? Well, to generate $200 a month worth of electric uh, mean, meant I needed twice as many solar panels, right? So twice as many solar panels means the loan I'd have to take was $60,000. And the government programs, the state programs that helps to pay for all this would only cover thirty. Therefore, it would cost me a $30,000 loan to put the solar panels on my roof. And we're in New Jersey where it's gray and it snows. So therefore, many days in the wintertime, I wouldn't be generating any electricity. So my point being, and that's a long story and I apologize for that. A long story, uh, Ted, my father-in-law Ted is out there listening. Ted, I know, this is a shout out to you. Um, and Ted listens to all of America Out Loud because he's a smart guy. Um, and my point being, I know it was a long story, but I'm trying to say that we, we're not at the, at the point now where solar, wind, and, uh, and electric cars are the answer for us. They're not at this time. The technology is not there yet. And we have a government who's, who's getting, trying to get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, and push us into it. Um, when the president says, I guarantee, look me in the eye, I'm going to do away with fossil fuels. Uh, well, he's about 12 presidents early to do away with fossil fuels. We're not there yet, but they're doing it anyway. And it's costing every American family money. It's costing us in our fuel, how much gas we're having to pay, right? And then when we see uh, Pete Buttigieg and he comes out and says, well, you know, if it's a crisis of, of energy, then it'll push people into buying electric cars. Um, I don't know, people I know that make up to $100,000 a year can't really afford a $50,000, $70,000 electric car. Because uh, if they would, they'd go out right now, they'd probably buy a Suburban and ride around in that because it's safe and it's a nice car for everybody. Uh, so they're not doing that. So they're not going to go out and get electric cars. Uh, you can't put a windmill on top of an airliner and fly anywhere, right? Uh, if Air Force One could fly from Washington to California with a wind turbine on the roof, if that was the power for it, I'd say, man, I guess the technology is there. Uh, but it's not, and that's part of the problem. So I just wanted to cover that uh, with you. You know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, there's so much going on here, and I really wanted to get to the attack on Mar-a-Lago, and and I'll, I'll give you a couple comments, and then we'll we'll head out for this episode, and we'll we'll be back soon. Uh, 
with all the problems we have going on, the, the way we're separated as a people, um, the attack on Mar-a-Lago is something that never happened before. But like I said earlier, once something happens, it's likely to happen again. The next time, so, who, so what do the Republicans do? If they win in 2024, do they really take my advice in, from the beginning, from the first part of the episode? and start talking about uh, going after the Bidens and going after the Clintons and looking at all these foundations and changing the laws and locking up all these people that we all know did, did bad things and were never prosecuted, were never even investigated. Do we do that? Do we go back and look at the Biden family records and put Joe and, and put Jill in jail if it turns out she knew about it and used the money to live her lifestyle? Do we do, we do that to the Biden family, to an ex-president? Well, the Previously, I would say, listen, if he got out and he's gone now, we move on. We learned our lesson. We put some safeguards in place so we don't have that again. But not now. Not after what our friends on the left have done. Now, I think it's, it's appropriate, even if you only do it one time, to set the record straight and let everybody realize we shouldn't be doing these kind of things. Uh, I think we have to go after them. I think if the Republicans take over, they have to set up all these committees and they have to go after people and subpoena to put them on the record, get all their stuff, raid their houses, whatever they have to do uh, so that people see uh, this is how you set it up, this is how you want it to be, then this is how it's going to be. So just a couple of thoughts, a couple of random thoughts from Lieutenant Joe. You know, uh, I say all the time, you know, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And I'm talking to everybody on both sides of the aisle out there. Can we now see the consternation, the pain, the struggle that our whole country is in because of this, this back and forth fighting? The issues we have at hand are difficult. The social issues are difficult. We have to be tolerant of each other and we have to try and work together so that we can find a way to make America great for everybody. Have a nice afternoon, everybody. And we'll see you the next time here on Chasing Justice on the America. Outlaw Radio Network.